as a mid-market business owner and as an advisor to mid-market businesses, I think it's really important that we understand in Australia why these businesses are so important and why they need special attention or why they might need some additional help. They're largely ignored in our economy. We spend a lot of time and focus on the glamour startup sector and capital raising and, you know, we hear these glamorous stories out of the United States about unicorns and all that exciting stuff, which is great. But as a mid-market business owner, I think we're often neglected. We overperform, we outperform, we make up a small number in terms of numbers of business. There's about 100,000 mid-market businesses in Australia, and yet they contribute about 33% of our GDP and to our economy. So they're a really important sector. They also employ about a third of our total labour force. Massive contribution to the economy, but a largely forgotten sector. And I think it's really important we understand what we can do to help these businesses grow, mature, be successful, employ more people and contribute more to the economy. Hi, I'm Craig West, and in this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're talking to Mike Rich, who's both the founder of a business called Attaché, which specifically makes software for the mid-market sector, and also one of the co-founders of the M Institute, a not-for-profit group which advocates for mid-market businesses in the economy. We're going to find out a lot more from Mike about the sector and why he's passionate about seeing it be more successful. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. So I guess let's get a bit of background. Um, What is it about the mid-market that makes it critical and important to understand? It's a very good question, uh, and it's actually easy to identify this group. They are really those who have cracked that magic 2 million turnover. Uh, In some industries, it might be 10, but nevertheless, you've you've grown from uh, basically your own little business. Uh, Most small businesses don't employ anyone. Over 60% don't employ anyone. So you might have cracked, say, even 10 employees plus, and all of a sudden you've got a real genuine business on your hands. And why is that important from a, from a marketplace point of view, from an economy point of view? Why mid-market? What's, what's the big deal? Well, this uh, little group, they represent less than 5% of all businesses, but they account for a third of the economy. So they're actually largely forgotten, but they're absolutely critical to the economy and in other countries, they're more rec- recognised than they are here. So those numbers are way out of whack. 5% by number, but 33% by economic contribution. Absolutely, totally out of whack. So they're outperforming massively. Correct. Not only outperforming, but they're growing at about 10 times the rate of small businesses. Right. And at the moment, we're seeing, you know, globally, economic slowdown, or I don't want to use the R word, but a downturn, a slowdown. And yet these businesses are outperforming 10 times, you're saying? Correct. That was a survey across uh, over 20 countries. And in some of these countries, they get special treatment. Uh, Take, for example, German-speaking countries uh, across Europe. Uh, They're called the Metallstrand. And there are special provisions to help them grow, to help them transfer ownerships to other generations that avoid capital gains tax issues we face in Australia. So the government is really going out of its way to to help these businesses because they're so important to the economy. So tell me more about that German example. There's a, there's a key word, they're, they're known, Mittelstrand, was it? Mittelstrand. Mittelstrand, my uh, German's not very good. Neither is mine, quite frankly. So. That's okay. But they're recognised and they're treated differently. For example, you mentioned capital gains tax. So there's specific legislation that treats these businesses differently to others. Yeah, we run into problems in businesses today, as you'd probably know with your, uh, your business, um, 
that if you pass it on to the next generation, you can trigger a capital gains tax in mm-hmm. an event. Yep. But in countries like Germany, they've legislated around that so that there can be succession within the business. That's one of the classic examples of how they do it. Right. So that's an interesting area where they've been differentiated by government. What's the government trying to achieve by doing that? Well, they're very important to regional areas in particular. Uh, they're the big employers. You know, they account for this tiny little group, a third of all jobs, And the people running these businesses have a serious value on their hand and they want to grow. So their intentions match economic development. Right. So you you mentioned the word forgotten a couple of times now, actually, around who's forgetting them or why are they being forgotten? What's that about? Well, we have a situation where governments forget them. Mm -hmm. Um, Small businesses, as we touched on a minute ago, accounting for 95% of all businesses because not many of them employ staff. It, it is actually votes. And we need to separate votes from economic activity because the two don't match up. So tell me more about that. You're just talking about the, the disproportionate numbers you're talking about. Correct. So if you're in government, you can talk about small because it's 95% of businesses. It's, mm. it's, but when you step back and say, well, hold on a minute, if we focus our efforts on small, we're actually forgetting two-thirds of the economy and that's a fundamental flaw in our treatment of businesses here in Australia and, and across in New Zealand. Yeah, that's an interesting gap you're talking about. So we're talking about millions of people employed by these medium-sized businesses and obviously the large corporates make up the other third. Yeah, and, and, and we annoy them because we talk about startups and you know people like that. Uh, companies can come in from overseas and have less... Uh, corporate governance around them maybe than a lot of the local companies, merely because they're from overseas and got big pockets and they can have take legal action. They are forgotten. Mike, you mentioned several times Germany and tax concessions internationally, Europe, US. What do you think or what are some of the possibilities that government could probably consider to improve this market here for mid-market businesses? Medium businesses don't want and are not looking for handouts. They're not looking from advice for government. There, there are other areas where, where they can focus, but they sure as hell are listening, are wanting to express frustrations or talk about opportunities and how to get those going. And, and some of these, and it's not about government, it's, sometimes it's about government backing off. Now, they also need to understand things like changing taxes and uh, tax breaks and particularly where you may be giving concessions to small but not thinking about medium, not thinking about large. You know, large businesses will shift out of the country if the tax regime isn't right. Uh, Medium businesses are actually inbred into the economy, but they do want a break. And when they see an opportunity to improve or do stuff, they want to be listened, but they don't want to do it in the public arena. They, They... like to do it behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and actually talk about success stories where they can actually show this is what we have done and there's some amazing stories which we don't want to broadcast so much but enable other companies to do likewise and that does involve a little bit more understanding of business and I don't think that's the government's real role. I, mm. I, I mm. think they should do more listening and less talking. Okay. It's interesting you say that because one of the things we're doing with the podcast is bringing in successful case studies and, and mid-market success stories, businesses that are in the mid-market performing well, being successful, because I think there's a lot to learn from their experience for other business owners. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So I think the language changed a lot here with Malcolm Turnbull and the jobs and growth and innovation economy and startups. There were a lot of tax provisions brought in for startup employee share plans and startup investment companies that had lower taxation and all sorts of concessions, I suppose you'd call them, or incentives for startup businesses. But what you're saying is nothing like that exists for boring middle sector businesses that have been around for 20 years and are already successful? I think just the picture they're painting is erroneous because if you look at a startup in in the genuine sense of the word, it normally takes about seven, eight, nine years to get on your feet and get going properly. Now, that isn't a startup in my book. You know, no. it's So the, the public have the false view of what is a startup. You know, you can rub two sticks together and next thing you're out uh, selling internationally. So it, it's we've got to get rid of this bulldust about talking because it actually insults the people who actually create the jobs. Um, so we just, just, and we also have to stop talking about what Uber's done. Uh, Uber was set up many years ago. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not new, it's not a startup, no, no. Let's talk about some local successes today. So what do they look like in your, in your view? Well, in the mid-market space, uh, you, you see companies who may face a uh, high gas issue, high, high gas prices. Uh, yeah. And they struggle to run their business because of the nature of the business. So heavy engineering, manufacturing. Th- that sort of thing. And they may end up going to a state in America where the, the state government will give them flat gas prices for a decade just to encourage them to come into their state, wow. yep. set up, and away they go. Yeah. And we haven't got anything like that here, clearly. No. No. But then you get variance between the states. You can do certain things in Queensland that you can't do in New South Wales, which can encourage businesses to then shift from one state to the other, which is is just a waste of energy. Yeah, and a lot of cost and drama and delay and lost yeah. production yeah. by moving. Yeah, because yeah. it's not going to happen quickly, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So SME, you're not a big fan of the SME phrase. Why? It, it never was small and medium. Uh, it was small and micro. Right. So it is people who are misusing the name... And even putting that to one side, to group small with medium is erroneous because they're totally different. Yep. Small businesses are nothing like medium. A medium business strives to be like a large business. They, they, it's just a large business without the size and without the resources, but there is no similarity to between small and medium. Tell me more about the difference between small and medium. A lot of people thinking medium's just big, bigger than small, but the same thing, same issues, same problems, same challenges. That's clearly not what you're saying. No, when small businesses are typically focused on lifestyle, uh, as I said earlier, they don't, few of them employ staff. Mm-hmm. Um, medium business has gone through that phase. It is now into the growth phase. It is typically family orientated and by family that also includes long-standing employees. Um, so, you know, and, and, and that they are there to grow something. And it's not a hobby. It's not something that, that keeps them occupied. They, they have a different mindset. Now, I'm not criticising small, but they're different beasts. Yeah, yeah. So we need them as well, obviously. They're Correct. an important part of the economy. But what you're saying is people that are doing the tree change, let's go and buy a business in a tourism centre so it's a lifestyle, hobby-style arrangement, and yes, if I can make hundred grand a year, that's great. 
that's not going to happen in the mid-market because that's not even going to get you started. Well, the plenty of people go from small to medium. Uh, they've got to start somewhere, but they will have a medium mindset from day one. Which is about scale and growth. Correct. And efficiency. Correct. Yeah, okay. So it's a different mindset you're actually talking about in terms of the ownership focus. Yes. How do you go from one to the other? I mean, we've got, as you said, there's, you know, there's a couple of million small businesses in Australia, a large number of them not employing. How do we... How do we go from small to, to mid-market or larger size? Well, one of the studies we did, uh, we identified six barriers to growth and one of the biggest there is um, affordable advice. These people looking to grow really struggle as to who will advise them. And as an accountant myself and you likewise from, from background, we have to be critical of the accounting profession. Yep. They focus on small. Yep. And not only do they focus on small, many of these medium businesses get solutions put to them, particularly in the information technology space, which are not designed for them. It's it's like giving a car to someone to ship coal. So, <laughs> so the, the, I, I don't think the accounting fraternity really has got their head around where to put their energy. We see, I see that a lot with my own clients. I've, I've actually told a client in the last two weeks, you've outgrown your accountant. Your accountant's fantastic at small business and that's great and you were there but now you've got 35 people and you've got a whole technology was the example I was actually talking about you know they're using one of the the, the off-the-shelf accounting products which is fine for a small business and millions of people use it but it doesn't cut it when you've got inventory and five warehouses in three states that's not going to work correct and we are seeing accountants advise medium businesses to do things which are counterproductive and they're putting in wrong systems, not enabling them to grow, and their business actually goes backwards. One example, recently, they threw out the suggestion that the accountant did without doing any due diligence. And the amazing thing is they stayed with that accountant. And I said to that company, if you go into a restaurant and get a really bad meal and you're crook as a dog the next day, do you go back the next day? <laughs> so I think we, we need to teach accountants in particular to do more, if they want to be in the mid-market space, which most of them at the end of the day want to be, uh, they've got to learn, A, about business improvement and B, about doing proper due diligence. And so the M Institute, not-for-profit institute that you're involved, you're one of the founders of, is that their focus to try and educate and inform people more about the mid-market and what it's about and why it's important? Uh, it's more... Uh, an advocate for medium mm -hmm. businesses. To government, to... in Particularly in the UK, they've done a lot of work with government. Right. But uh, also in Europe, they've done a lot of uh, surveys, uh, working with commercial entities just to get a better feel for medium businesses and what make them tick. Uh, and that's where the top six barriers to growth guide uh, came from, from right. a large European study. Okay. So it's more about research and determining what, what the issues are within that mar mid-market place. Correct. And then advocating for change that might affect that with government and, and yep. large corporates, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. I'd be interested to hear a little bit about your business, which is a mid-market business. It's been around for how long? Over 30 years. You don't look that old, but anyway. Um, it's obviously a well-established, successful business in the mid-market, I'm assuming. Tell us a bit about that and where it came from. Well, it's... Um I'm a, use those words again, they're shocking words, IT startup veteran. Uh, we were <laughs> a startup. Back in 81, the company went to the US, had about $8 million US in venture capital money, which is probably north of 40 today. Yep. And um, totally blew it. It tried to attack the world. 
uh, selling to numerous markets yep. and I led a management buyout where we returned to Australia and were profitable within three months with a bit of sanity around the business. Wow. And then we did major distribution agreements with all the major IT companies, IBM, Hewlett-Packard, et cetera. And uh, basically since that date, we have been the dominant supplier of business software to medium businesses. So what's the lesson out of all of that? What did you learn? Focus. Yep. Don't listen to the bulldust. Uh, you know, you, you've, you've really got to focus on the client's needs. Particularly, you, you know, we're coming up to a bit of a downturn. Medium businesses love a downturn because people are more fussy where they spend their money and customers, if they have a bad experience, won't come back. Uh, you create more loyalties. And I was trying to remember who said it, but uh, the words were something like more true fortunes are made in tighter times than buoyant times. That's an interesting concept. And why is that better for mid-market business than small, for example? Well, you can start to have proper pricing agreements with customers because uh, they are more receptible to that. Yep. Um, you can build win-win situations with both suppliers and customers around if I buy X quantity, uh, what will you give me as a price? Uh, yep. What other products can I... Uh, alternatives that I can match into that or kits where I can sell, you know, the brush with the paint. But you, you start to come up with a far more professionally run, better experienced uh, business uh, in a tighter economy, in my opinion. Okay. And that's that's a very interesting way to look at it because most people are talking doom and gloom. You know, the economy slowing down, jobs, you know, the whole thing's doom and gloom. You're saying there's an opportunity there for well-prepared businesses. Yeah, if your business is run poorly, you're in tr going to be in trouble. Yep. If it's Look run out. well, growth is ahead. Okay, and yet they're already growing faster than the general economy. Correct. Because you start to also, with your suppliers and customers, you start to have a win-win relationship. You, you look for opportunities for growing the business mutually. And again, that's big in Europe. Uh, they call it ecosystem cooperation. And the rough figures are around 15 to 20% growth just by working with your customers and suppliers, how to mutually help each other. And is that, you're talking about referral relationships, you're talking about supply agreements or everything? Across how, the board. How else do you work more Across closely the with them? You, know, you can imagine if you're in a regional area, how do we build the local economy? That's a win-win mm -hmm. for everyone. Yep. When you're talking to suppliers, be very mindful of things like succession. Do you know the next generation coming into the business? Are you working with the next generation? Are you really mutually working on their new ideas to grow this ecosystem of whatever type of business you're in? Okay. It's an interesting perspective to think about downturn as opportunity, firstly, but also then this whole cooperation, I think you called it ecosystem cooperation, was it? Yeah. Around, you know, joint ventures, partnerships, win-win outcomes. From a mid-market business point of view, is that already happening but needs to grow or is it something new? In Australia, it's really not happening. Right. In Europe, it's very strong. In, in, in Europe, you'll sit down with other people um, and, and really try to flush out ideas that are to the benefit of a broader audience. The only area we've really done it well probably in Australia appears to be things like the wineries have cooperated to get into new markets. Okay. As distinct from beating the living daylights out of each other. That would be the nearest example here. So that's like four or five wineries in a, in a, let's say, the Hunter Valley region cooperating to export wine into Japan or China or wherever. Correct. So Rather than competing with each other. Correct. Absolutely correct. And it's a win-win, therefore. Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. But you need a certain scale to be able to do that, right? 
Not necessarily. The only risk you run is being mindful of what you can produce because you could end up getting a demand that you you can't handle um, and it could backfire on you. So just make sure you tackle targets that you really can deliver. Yeah, and I've heard stories of people pilot export programs into China and the pilot program is four years production for them. Correct. They're just saying we can't keep up, we can't even deliver that. Yeah, yeah, correct. Okay, and that's what you're talking about. In terms of your own business and the learnings you had from the the growth into the United States and so on, export's obviously an area for mid-market businesses. They're of a scale and size where export is is viable and possible. Most small businesses aren't. How much of an opportunity is that for Australian mid-market business? I I think it's important you also look at the local market Mm -hmm. and don't go rushing off overseas. Overseas countries... um, are a lot more sophisticated than going over there with a, you know, we'll tell them how to suck eggs. Uh, you're going to come a big, big cropper. So in many cases, they are more sophisticated. Some of the, the yep. best ideas we get come from overseas. So, so you've got to be a little bit mindful you don't overrate how good you are. And is that a scale of economy thing or is it a, a behavioural focus from the business owner's point of view? Because we're talking about some massive economies internationally that have numbers we just don't contemplate. Correct. You so know, there are cities in America with more people than Australia. So yeah, you got to, it's a different world. You've got to decide what you want to tackle. You know, I'm reasonably short and played a lot of rugby union in my youth, but uh, I realised pretty soon I wasn't going to make the All Blacks. So, so <laughs> <laughs> keep your head screwed on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be reasonable about your expectations. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I ask you your number one tip from a mid-market advisor and provider, service provider, um, and also a mid-market business owner, what would you say the number one tip is for mid-market business owners? Get the right technology, in particular, get the right business systems in place. We have a funny situation that if we want to build a factory, we get an engineer and other people to qualify it. We don't rely on our own uh, skill set. But in the IT industry, we accept half-baked advice. So you've got to be very careful. That does, does the person who's guiding you on what systems you should have actually understand a mid-market business? Most of them have no idea, no idea at all, and actually damage the growth of the medium business. So that's about selecting advisors that are experienced in dealing with the mid-market and that size and scale of business. Correct. And software is a little bit like clothing. It comes in small, medium and large. Yep. So if, if you're a medium business and you're going to put on a small business set of software, you're going to struggle. Yeah. You really struggle. Okay. So that's an interesting way to, to describe it in terms of clothing sizing and business sizing, because that would that would obviously match all of the supply chain, not just software and technology, which is obviously important for larger businesses, but every other supply piece that we're looking for. When we employ people, we need people with experience in that size business rather than Correct. small. Yeah. Correct. So it's all encompassing. Correct. So lots of really good ideas and important understanding around mid-market businesses, why they're important and why they contribute so much to the Australian and global economy. And interestingly, how in some countries in the world, they're treated a little bit differently and probably receive a little bit more attention from government than they get here. Mike, thanks for joining us. It's been great. Thank you very much. And of course, if you want more tools and information to help you with what we've just talked about, head to the Midmarket Matters resources page at midmarketmatters.com.au.